Well, let's start off in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, now as we come to this time of opening up your word, Lord, I pray that you would remove all distractions from us. Help us, Lord, to focus on your word and the message that you have for us in your word today, Lord. I pray as we look at this first proverb, Lord, that you would teach us wisdom. Teach us wisdom that begins with knowing you, trusting you, and surrendering to you. Lord, teach us wisdom today, I pray. In Christ's name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 7 this morning. Proverbs chapter 1, looking at verses 1 through 7. And if you do not have your Bible, then you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there, and it's page 494 in the Pew Bible. Page 494 in the Pew, Pew, Pew Bible. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7 this morning. Uh, you, you've heard people say things such as this. Uh, you've heard them say that, you know, that person has book smarts, but not street smarts. That person is, is highly intelligent, but has no common sense. We, we know that there is a difference between intelligence and wisdom, right? Intelligence, intelligence is as having a bunch of knowledge, right? Knowing a bunch of, of stuff, good stuff. Uh, but wisdom is then knowing how to take that knowledge and apply it to everyday life. Wisdom is kind of like applied knowledge, if you will. Uh, we, we need both, right? We need both intelligence and wisdom. A person who is highly intelligent but has no wisdom, no common sense, uh, they, they can answer all the questions, but, but they struggle with certain aspects of life. But then a person with, maybe they have wisdom, but not a lot of intelligence. They, they struggle with other parts of life. So we really need both. We need intelligence and wisdom. We need wisdom. Uh, and we, we understand that as parents, as we celebrate Father's Day today, as parents, we are in danger sometimes of raising kids who are intelligent but have no wisdom. Right? We, we send kids off to school where they learn a lot of good stuff, a lot of facts. Right? They get their head filled with wonderful facts. But it takes time. It takes invested time and relationship with that child to, to help them understand how to take that intelligence, that knowledge, and turn around and apply it to life. A teacher only has them for a year, and usually they're passed on to the next teacher or next group of teachers. But a parent, that's your responsibility. Your responsibility is be, to be that wise voice. Parents and grandparents both are to be that wise voice, that voice of wisdom in your children's lives. Parents, you are responsible for teaching your children wisdom teaching them to apply the knowledge that they learn to life in a practical way. And more important than that, you're responsible for teaching them not just wisdom, but biblical wisdom. 
wisdom that comes from scripture wisdom that comes from following and trusting in the lord they're not going to get that at school they're not going to get that at school even if another teacher invests interest in them and, and teaches them the wisdom of the world they're probably not going to teach them biblical wisdom that's where parents and grandparents come in you're responsible to teach your children biblical wisdom and the place to start with biblical wisdom is in the bible and particularly in the book of proverbs the book of proverbs is all about biblical wisdom and today we're starting a new series that's called wisdom for life and we're going to start this summer looking through the book of proverbs we're not going to go verse by verse line by line like i did through corinthians because proverbs isn't set up that way it's hard to hard to preach that way through proverbs but but we're going to look at a, a lot of the different proverbs over the course of the summer and talk about biblical wisdom so uh, as we begin then proverbs we have to understand is this book of biblical wisdom and and over and over again in the book of proverbs you hear this kind of uh, of message resounding proverbs chapter 1 verse 8 for example says hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching uh, clip go uh, clip flip over to uh chapter 2 verse 1 my son if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you chapter 3 verse 1 my son do not forget my teaching but let your heart keep my commandments over and over again and we could go on to other places as well but over and over again you get this this sense that this is is not just any book but this is in its essence this is a father teaching his children godly wisdom it's a father giving his son teaching his son godly biblical wisdom and that's what it's for it's for parents to to use this book to instruct their children and biblical wisdom excuse me so parents today I, i want you to understand this teach your children biblical wisdom hear this teach your children biblical wisdom and a good place to start is right here with the book of proverbs oh if you can drill some of these proverbs into your children's head what great benefit will they have in life as they go through life just having these proverbs uh, pour out and inform their decisions now as we begin our study in proverbs this wisdom for life we began today looking at Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. And Proverbs 1, 1 through 7 introduces the book of Proverbs. In these seven verses, we're going to see three key properties of the Proverbs. Three key properties of the Proverbs, of the book of Proverbs. First, we're going to see the twofold goal of the book of Proverbs. Second, we're going to see the intended benefactors of the book of Proverbs. And then finally, and the most important uh, property, we're going to see the theological foundation of the book. The theological foundation of the book. So, uh, as we begin to dig in then, if you found your place there in Proverbs chapter 1, please stand with me 
in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Now hear the word of the Lord, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Now, as we begin to dig into the Proverbs, uh, Proverb 1.1 is the preamble of the book. It's the preamble of the book. It's the introductory uh, little statement of the book. Uh, as we look at that, we, we notice a few introductory kind of uh, aspects of the book that we're going to cover before we get into these key properties of the book. First of all, we notice the word proverb. What is a proverb? These are the proverbs of Solomon. What is a proverb? We need to understand that as we, we get into the book of Proverbs. A proverb, as one scholar defines it, is a succinct, memorable saying in common use that states general truth or piece of advice. It is a succinct, memorable saying in common use that states a general truth or piece of advice. So uh, let's think about that definition for a moment. A proverb is, a, is short and memorable. It's short and memorable. It's short and memorable advice, right? And so let's just think about some English proverbs. These are not biblical proverbs. They're nowhere in the book of Proverbs, but, but these are just some common proverbs that we state as Americans. We've all heard these. Uh, one comes from Benjamin Franklin. A penny saved is a penny earned, right? We all learned that as kids growing up. If we're, we want to we value saving, a penny saved is a penny earned. How about this one? A picture is worth a thousand words. A picture is worth a thousand words. Another good English proverb. Uh, here's another one. This is not my favorite. Better late than never. Better late than never. Uh, you, you've heard people say that. Uh, here's mine. If you're not early, you're late. If you're not early, you're late. Uh, so don't just aim for on time. Be early. So these are memorable little uh, statements of advice. They're, they're good, memorable statements of advice. You can memorize those in a moment and carry them with you for the rest of your life. So they're short, memorable statements of advice. Second, they are general truths, not absolute promises. Now, we need to be clear here because a lot of people will approach the Proverbs as the promises of God, right? It says here that if I do this, then this will happen. That's a promise of God. No, no, no. 
Proverbs don't work that way. Proverbs are, are general truths, not absolute promises. For example, you take Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a general truth, right? If you train up a child in the, in the way he should go, if you train up a child to be a Christian, right? You train them in the Christian life. You, you teach them God's word. You, you bring them to church Sunday after ch- Sunday, uh, and you teach them the, the way of Christ. Generally, that child will grow up to be a, an upstanding Christian. They will continue in that way. They'll, they'll become a, a follower of Jesus Christ, and they'll be a, a faithful member of the church. Generally, that's true, but it's not always true, though, is it? It's not always true because sometimes, even if you do everything right, you bring up a child in, in the ways of Christ, but sometimes along the way, they make a bad choice. They go a different direction. We all know good Christian parents who have prodigal children who have gone away from the faith. So it's not an absolute promise, but it is a general truth. We need to be sure that we understand that when we begin to look at the Proverbs, when we begin to study them and read them. They are general truths, not absolute promises of God. They're general truths. If you do these things, typically what they say will will happen they are general truths now we notice here also this says that these are the proverbs of solomon the proverbs of solomon and we all know solomon solomon was the most wise man to ever live he was the son of david and he when uh, god came to him when he became king god came to him in a vision and said all right solomon here i, I lay it all in front of you you just tell me what do you want what do you want? What, what's your wish? And I'm going to give it to you. And Solomon thought about it, and he said, Well, you know, God, I'm a young man. I'm a young man, and I've got this great nation to lead. I want wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. And the Lord said, Because you didn't ask for riches and fame and fortune and all that, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to grant you not only wisdom, but all these other things as well. And, and Solomon became one of the wisest men to ever live. Uh, people came from nations around to, to, to hear the wisdom of Solomon. He was also one of the richest kings to ever live, to ever walk the earth. God blessed him immensely. In his latter years, he lost some of that wisdom because he kind of went away from God. But but he had great wisdom. God great, uh, granted him great and wonderful wisdom. Now, as we begin to walk through the Proverbs, you'll notice that not all of the Proverbs are authored by Solomon, especially when you get to the end. The uh, chapter uh, 30, Proverbs chapter 30, was written by a guy named Agur. And then uh, chapter 31 was written by a guy named King Lemuel. And so at least the last two chapters and arguably some of the other chapters in the book were written by other people, but it was all in the, the spirit of the, the wisdom of Solomon. And so this was all Solemn-like wisdom. And so all of it was compiled together at some later time. And so the majority of the book, we will see, is predominantly... It, 
came from Solomon. Uh, but then there's a few other books in there, a few other chapters that uh, seem to be from other people, but in the spirit of King Solomon. So don't let that trip you up. Uh, it, it is biblical wisdom. It's all inspired by God, and uh, it's a part of God's word. So uh, we see this authorship is mostly Solomon and a few other guys, all in the spirit of the wisdom of King Solomon. So as we consider then the key properties, as we move from the preamble down into the main portion of our text this morning, as we consider these key properties of the Proverbs, the first key property of Proverbs is its twofold goal. We see the twofold goals of the Proverbs. And these, this first uh, verse here, or the second verse, excuse me, chap, verse 2 of chapter 1. Look at that verse there. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. This right here kind of gives us the, the goal in a summary statement. It gives us the twofold goal of the Proverbs. The Proverbs, the twofold goal of the Proverbs is this. Proverbs de develop moral and mental acuity the proverbs are meant to develop moral and mental acuity let's start with the development of moral acuity they are meant to develop moral acuity the first line there to know wisdom and instruction those first two words have a a moral moral thrust to them we think about the 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 wisdom they develop moral acuity by teaching wisdom, to know wisdom. Now, this term wisdom here, we think about it in the English setting. We think about wisdom as, what, like I stated a while ago, it's, uh, it, it, it's knowledge in action, right? It's putting knowledge to work in life. But uh, in the biblical context, there's a slight different nuance to it it is that it, it's that practical knowledge it's putting knowledge to work but it has this moral bent to it this moral aspect of it wisdom in the book of proverbs and really throughout scripture is the ability to make right moral choices and live according to god's moral standard all right Wisdom, from a biblical perspective, is the ability to make right moral choices. There's a moral bent to it. And live according to God's moral standard. God's moral standard. Now, for example, let's just look down there to uh, Proverbs 1.10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Right? There's a moral bent to that wisdom. If sinners entice you, if they try to draw you into sin, do not content, do not consent, do not fall into it. There's a moral bent to it, a moral aspect, a moral nature to it. So when we talk about teaching biblical wisdom, we're talking about teaching morality, living according to God's way of, of life, God's standard. So it develops moral acuity by teaching wisdom. Second, it develops moral acuity by providing discipline. It provides discipline. That second word there, look at that, uh, to know wisdom and instruction. 
instruction. The word there for instruction, the, the Hebrew word behind instruction, carries the idea of discipline or chastisement, uh, correcting a wrong behavior. The C, uh, CSB actually translates it a discipline. Uh, so I think that's probably the better translation. It, it has that idea of, of discipline, of chastisement. It is instruction, but with this kind of, of discipline that goes along with it. Now think about that. You think about a, a mother's rebuke, how, how, how a mother can rebuke you with words, right? Uh, she can say something and, and, and just stab you in the heart. Son, I just I can't believe you did that. That is just unchristian. That's just, that you just, oh, I'm disappointed. Oh, that stabs you in the heart, right? It brings you to your knees. My mama didn't have to spank me. She could just say, I'm disappointed, son. And, and that, that, that word of rebuke would correct me. I would like, I don't want to do that again because that, that made my mama disappointed in me. And, and so words can do that. And, and the words of the Proverbs, they, they have this this chastisement to them some of them do right they, they bring chastisement they bring correction they show us what we're doing wrong and, and turn us to what to do to to correct that that activity that behavior and and so that's what the proverbs are meant to do they're to to give us that positive wisdom all right here's the the right thing to do here's the moral thing to do and correct immoral behavior to turn us around, to, to get us back on the right path. They have this, they develop moral acuity. And all of this, they develop this moral acuity for the purpose of producing moral living. Moral living. Look at what he says there, verse 3. To receive instruction, right? To receive instruction. Notice how he uses the same word from that first line of verse 2. To know wisdom instruction. Now to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. This is what this instruction produces. This is what this wise teaching produces. It produces righteousness, justice, and equity. Now, just briefly, I want to just cover what, what do these three terms mean. Righteousness is conformity to a standard. Righteousness, to be righteous is to conform to a standard. And in God's word, that is God's standard, right? It's God's way of life, God's way of living. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Righteousness is not just doing the right thing. It's conforming to God. It's using God as our model. He is our model. We're looking to God in Christ. And we're saying, I want to be like Christ. So I'm going to model Christ I'm going to do like Christ I'm going to make Christ-like decisions in my life and when we do that we begin to develop a righteous character we begin to conform our character to the nature of God the nature of Jesus Christ so that's what the Proverbs are meant to do they're meant to teach us righteousness they're to teach us how to conform our lives to Jesus Christ Christ. Christ so therefore righteousness 
Therefore, justice, now justice, of course, we all know is a legal term, but in this context, when we think about justice, we're talking about making right decisions, right moral decisions. It's coming up with the right answer. Life is full of questions. Life is full of decisions. Should I do this or should I do that? Should I take this path or should I take that path? The Proverbs help us make the right moral decision. Every decision that we, we come across, we, we look at it through God's Word and we, we choose the right decision. That is being just. We're seeking justice. We're seeking to, to make that right moral decision every time. So the Proverbs help us to, to produce righteousness, justice, and equity. Equity means to do what is upright and fair. To do what is upright and fair. Just to give an example, Psalms chapter 9 verse 8 says this, Of the Lord, the Lord judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness or equity. It's the same Hebrew word there. God judges the peoples with equity with uprightness he judges everyone fairly he judges everyone fairly romans 2 11, for god shows no partiality so as you you pursue life as you live life you're fair you treat people with equity you show no partiality you don't look at someone because uh, they're on a, a lower social level than you. You don't look at them differently. They are a child of God made in the image of God and you treat them with equity. Man, do we need that more and more today. We need that today. Christians need to look at people with equality to love their neighbor as themselves. Not looking at their clothes, not looking at their status, not looking at their position in society, but looking at every person as a child of God created in the image of God. We should look at everyone and treat everyone with dignity. Sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only hope of salvation. Regardless of skin color, regardless of their place in life, whether they're homosexual or transgender or, or whatever, they're made in the image of God. And we should treat them with respect and dignity. Not lying to them. Not just receiving them as they are, but speaking the truth in love. So that they may come to know Jesus Christ and know His saving power in their lives. The Proverbs help us to pursue equity. Proverbs develop that moral acuity in our lives. Second, they develop mental acuity. So not only do they they develop the moral acuity, but they also develop mental acuity. We get this in the second line of verse 2, to understand words of insight, to understand words of insight. And notice that down in verse 8, he, he uses that same term. 
Uh, this is a, a scheme that is used in, in Hebrew poetry and Hebrew writings like this. They use the same word to bring attention to, all right, now I'm, I'm moving on. Now I'm going to talk about this idea, this concept. And that's what he's doing here. He skips down to verse, verse 6. I, I said 8, I'm sorry. Verse 6. And in verse 6, he says to, to understand, right? Using that word understand again. To understand a proverb and saying the word of the wise and their riddles. To understand, that little, the Hebrew word there is a, a cognitive term. And it means to perceive something mentally. To perceive something mentally. So you're using your brain, right? You're using your mind. You're developing your mind. Developing the, the ability to think, study, and reason through concepts and ideas. Mental acuity, we know, must be developed. All of my educators know this for certain. They, they, all of my educators here probably have heard of Bloom's taxonomy of cognitive development. And I see some, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. We've studied that in school, right? Bloom's taxonomy of cognitive development. Uh, Bloom developed this idea, and it's, it's just the way we, we develop. We develop our mind. Our mind has to be developed. Developing our mental acuity starts with memorizing. It starts with memorizing, right? So we, we began kindergarten learning our ABCs and our 1, 2, 3s. A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3, right? We learn our, our letters and our numbers. We, we learn those things. We memorize those things. And, and then we step up to learning formulas. 1 plus 1 equals 2. 2 plus 2 equals 4, right? We memorize those concepts. It begins with memorization. We have to we memorize things. We've got to put stuff into our heads. But then as we grow... Uh, then we begin to take all of those things that we memorize and we put them together in bigger concepts and we begin to understand bigger concepts. We, we, we understand bigger, uh, bigger chunks of knowledge, right? We, we, we have an understanding of things. But then we can't stop there. Then we got to learn how to take those concepts and apply them to life. And so you, you, you've moved from memorization to understanding and then to application, learning how to apply the things that we learn in school to, to life in general. You learn how to add so that you, you can work at the cash register and, and know how, how to make change, right? You put those concepts together and make application. And you shouldn't have to use your phone, but that's another thing. But then from there, from application, I heard an amen from the math teacher over here. <laughs> from, from there, then we, we develop higher levels of cognit uh, cognitive development, right? We go on to uh, higher areas of thinking, and we begin to learn how to analyze data, analyze concepts, analyze ideas. So, so this person has this idea about how the world works. All right, now I'm going to analyze it. I'm going to think through it. Is, is what he's saying true or, or is there a problem with it? We begin to analyze it and evaluate it, make judgments about whether it's true or whether it's false or, or whether it's something that we can get behind or if it's something that we just need to reject altogether. 
And then the, the final stage of, of, of cognitive development is, is being able to create something new, right? Something, uh, something fresh, a, a new idea, taking all that you've learned and putting it together. So a Ph.D. student works to, towards a dissertation, which is a, a contribution, right? A, a particular contribution to his level, to his field of study. It's something new. It's something, someone putting concepts together that people haven't put together and, and making a, a new contribution to his field, creating something. And, and so these are the, the, the steps of developing the mind, and we have to walk through these. Our children have to walk through these. And some peop sometimes people stop off after understanding and maybe applying. And a lot of people, let me be honest, a lot of people today, as we think about the ideas that are being poured on us in the media, a lot of people have stopped back there at understanding and maybe applying but there's a whole lot of people who are listening to these ideas, buying into a, a lot of these secular ideas, and they're not evaluating them. They're not judging them. They're not making judgments. on. They're just taking them in because so-and-so said so, right? This superstar, this pop star said, hey, this is the way it is. I'm going to buy into it wholeheartedly, and I'm going to just not, not worry about the, the evaluation, the judgment of this idea. I'm just going to buy it because she said so or he said so oh man that's dangerous that is so dangerous and we see our society falling into dangerous ideas dangerous philosophies because we have have cut short cognitive development and, and we've ended somewhere below evaluation and judgment people aren't thinking they're just not thinking they're not thinking through what people are, are pouring down their throat. They're just receiving it because this authority figure says, hey, this is the way it should be. Oh, we need to change that. And we certainly don't need our children going through that. We don't need our children stopping at understanding. We need to grow them. We need to take them to another level, to evaluation and judgment, to, to think through the ideas that are around us. And we need to teach them to evaluate and judge things, not from a secular perspective, what they're getting in, in most of their school classes, not all of them, but most of their school classes, they're going to get the secular way of evaluating things. We need to teach them the biblical way to evaluate and judge things. We need to teach our children to evaluate and judge these concepts of the world through scripture we need to give them a biblical worldview we need to give them a biblical worldview and we only do that by teaching them god's word we've got to teach them god's word we got to teach them the proverbs we got to teach them the psalms we got to teach them the epistles we got to teach them all of god's word so that they can make good judgments in life the proverbs help us do that it helps to build that mental acuity. It helps us to, be, to, to reason, to, to think. Look at what it says here, going down to verse 6. To understand proverbs, or to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Right? 
to understand deeper concepts, you need, you need to, to think on a different level. You need to think on a different level. The other day we were talking to a friend of ours and uh, she had taken her, she was talking about taking her first theology class, right? She had been in church all, whole, her whole life and uh, been preached to, you know, over and over again. She's been in Sunday school classes, probably taught some Sunday school classes along the way. Uh, so she, she knew God's word, but she was taking this systematic theology class. And, and as she was going into it, she didn't understand what was systematic about theology, right? She, she didn't have a clue. And then she, she got her reading assignment. And so she sat down one day with her first book in this class, and, and she began to read. She opened the first page, and she read the first sentence. She closed the book and started crying because she didn't understand a word of the first sentence of the book. Right? Because these were new concepts. These were new words. These were words, big, word, big theology words that, that she had never read before. And it scared her. It intimidated her. But then, you know, after she dried the tears away, she went, she got a dictionary, and she opened her book again. She looked up those words she didn't understand, and, and she began to go through it, and she worked through it. She, she memorized some new concepts. She memorized some new, new vocabulary and, and those types of things. And, and she began to, to understand those concepts as she began to walk through the class. And, and she began to get an idea of how to apply those concepts in life. And at the end, she created something new, right? She wrote a term paper and, and, and made a contribution to her class, at least, right? And, and, so, and that's the way it works. We begin with Scripture, and, and look, even Peter says there's some things in Scripture that's hard to understand. As a pastor who my life is to study God's Word, there's a lot of things in Scripture that's hard for me to understand. And, and I've got to really think about it and, and walk through it and, and study it hard to, to, to come to an understanding of it. There's things in Scripture that are hard to understand. But when we begin to, to take it bite by bite, little by little, teaching our children, learning from it ourselves, then we begin to develop the, these, these connections, right? We begin to, to understand greater concepts. We, we learn terms that we may have never heard before, but we learn them and learn what they mean, and we begin to develop our minds and not just developing our minds but developing our minds around God's word we need that cognitive development we need that mental acuity if we're going to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ dig into the Proverbs study the Proverbs let them let them twist your mind a bit right let them stress your mind let them put pressure on your mind struggle through the hard concepts that they 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 give you so that when you come out on the other side you know more about god and his way of life so proverbs develop moral and mental acuity they develop moral and mental acuity if you're going to grow in your biblical wisdom you have to develop your moral and mental acuity. Second, Proverbs benefit everyone. 
Proverbs benefit everyone. You get this here in this little middle section there. Uh, verses 4 and 5 kind of work as a parenthesis as you move through this. He, he announces the purpose of them in 2 and 3 and then finishes out that purpose in verse 6. But there in, in verse 4 and 5, there's this little parenthesis where he, he demonstrates for us who the Proverbs are for. I know that's a little confusing to the English mindset, but that was the way that the Hebrew poet would write things such as this. Uh, get you thinking, right? Develop that mental acuity to get you to think. But here in verses 4 and 5, we get the picture of who the Proverbs are for, and they are for absolutely everyone. First of all, they give prudence to the simple they benefit the simple. Now, who's the simple? What is he talking about, the simple? Well, the simple, as one commentator says, are the morally brainless. The morally brainless. The person who is just gullible and kind of it, it just easily falls into uh, enticements to sin. They're, they're gullible. They'll just fall into anything. They're, they're easily tricked. They're easily persuaded. They're easily drawn off track. They're the simple. So they benefit the simple. Second, they benefit the youth. They benefit the youth. Uh, they they uh, give knowledge to and, and discretion to the youth. That's the young, the young person. Your children, as they're growing up, as, as they begin to, to learn the Proverbs and memorize some of them, as they begin to work through them, they benefit the youth. They help them to understand uh, things better. They teach them wisdom for life. So they benefit the youth, the young person, even the, the young in the faith, right? Uh, uh, an older person can, can come to faith later in life, and, and that's for you. You're, you've never understood the concepts of god you've never understood the word of god you maybe you've never had interaction with the word of god that's for you you're a youth you're immature and your your faith that's for you they benefit the simple they benefit the youth and they benefit the wise they benefit the wise let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance so they are for the wise and you can never get too wise to learn more about god we're always going to be learning more and more about god and god's word teaches us more and more about god have you ever read a passage of scripture maybe you've read it a hundred times and then all of a sudden this one time you come to it like whoa i've never seen that before i never realized that God just opens up, a, a, shines a light on it, and, and you see that passage of Scripture in a new light, and you learn something else about God. We, get, we never get too wise for God. God will always teach us, and we can learn from the Proverbs as well as the rest of Scripture. The Proverbs benefit the wise. You know, and that brings us to mind that we always need to be growing in our knowledge. We always need to be sharpening our mind. You ever heard the term? Here's, here's another good English proverb. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Right? If you don't use it, you'll lose it. And that's, that's with the brain, too, man. If, if you quit using your mind, you could just go on autopilot and quit thinking. 
man, you're going to lose your mind. You're going to lose that mental sharpness, that mental edge. You need to be sharpening your mind always. No matter how old you get, you should always strive to sharpen that mind. I know some ladies in this church who work to sharpen that mind day in and day out, and they do some ridiculously hard puzzles. And I'm like, how do you do that? But they're sharpening that mind, right? They're keeping sharp. And so you need to sharpen your mind. And what better way to sharpen your mind than in God's Word? Studying the Proverbs, understanding what they, they mean and how to apply them in life. Proverbs is for your benefit, dear friend. Wherever you are on the spectrum, from simple to youth to the wise, wisest of the wise, the Proverbs of God are for you. They will help develop you, develop your mind, develop your morality so that you might live a glorious life for God. So Proverbs develop moral and mental acuity. They benefit everyone. Third, uh, and here we get to the most important aspect of all, Third, we see the theological foundation of the book. And if you've got nothing else, get this. Proverbs is theologically uh, founded in a right relationship with God. Proverbs is theologically founded and grounded in a right relationship with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. Now, when we think about this term, the fear of the Lord, what's he talking about? A lot of people uh, kind of misunderstand what, what he, he is talking about here. He, he is not talking about, the, the, or the, uh, Solomon is not talking about this kind of cringing, debilitating kind of fear right like shrinking back kind of fear that that's not what he's talking about when, when we think about fear uh, fear like that causes three reactions you either freeze fight or flight freeze fight or flight uh, when you come into danger those are the three things that you do you either freeze you you take flight or you start to fight you think about a little deer, a baby deer, can't, can't go anywhere, doesn't have the speed yet, still has kind of weak legs. And, and what do they do when the, the lion comes into the field? They, they fall down, they curl up in a ball, and they freeze. They freeze. While mama either takes flight or starts to fight defending for her, her baby deer. But that's not the kind of fear that we're talking about here. That's not the kind of fear that the, the writer of this proverb is talking about. The kind of fear that he is talking about is a fear that enters into a relationship. It, it, it's a reverent relationship to God. It begins with reverent awe of God's glory. A reverent awe of God's glory. Understanding who God is. 
just simply understanding who God is, coming face to face with your Creator, seeing Him, being in awe of Him. I think about some of the prophets, Isaiah, for example. Isaiah had the vision of God, and he explains, he, he, he describes his vision of God, and when he sees God on his mighty throne, he falls on his face before the throne of God as if dead. There is a reverent awe of a mighty God. Oh, we need to see God for who he is. We need to see God in all of his glory. We need to realize his, his supremacy. We need to realize his glory. We need to realize that he is our creator and sustainer, that he holds our lives in his hand. We need to see God and revere him as God. That's where it starts. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end on our face. It, it goes on to, to reacting to that awe in obedient submission to God's will. There's an obedient submission to God's will. They're, they're seeing God for who He is, a sovereign, holy, righteous, good God, being in awe of Him, and then submitting to Him. Submitting to His sovereign reign over our lives. And that's what, the, 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 that's what Solomon is talking about here. The fear of the Lord is surrender. It's surrendering to a sovereign God. God, you are all in all. I can't oppose you. I surrender to you. I give myself to you wholly and completely. That's the fear of the Lord. Knowing who He is and surrendering to Him. Submitting to His Lordship over our lives. That's why He says in the second line, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. They, they, they resist. They refuse the sovereign leadership of God in their lives. Psalms 14, Psalm 1, or excuse me, Psalm 14, 1 says this, the fool says in his heart there is no God. Literally, the text says, the fool says in his heart, no God. No God. I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to follow your leadership. I'm not going to conform my life to you. No God. That's why he goes on to say they are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no, none who, do, uh, who does good. None does good. Because they say, no God. The, the lost world says, no God. Romans tells us clearly what, that God can be known. His divine attributes are, are evident in creation. Yet you have a world that says, no God. 
No. I'm not submitting to you. I don't care that you created me. I don't care that you sustain me. No. I am my own God. I am my own king. I will follow my way, not yours. But the wise man and the wise woman says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I surrender to you. The beginning of wisdom. The beginning of knowledge is surrender to a sovereign, holy creator. Have you submitted your life to God? Have you surrendered your life to Him? Are you wise? Have you chosen the wise path and surrendered to God? Or have you chosen the way of the fool? And say, no, God. The foundation of true wisdom is a right relationship with God. A life of surrender to the sovereignty of God. This brings us to the central lesson that Solomon wants to teach us in this proverb. Seek true wisdom by pursuing a right relationship with God. Seek true wisdom by pursuing a right relationship with God. And a right relationship with God begins with a right relationship with Jesus Christ. It begins with a right relationship with Jesus Christ because Christ is the king of God's kingdom. Christ is God's king. All authority has been given to me, Jesus says. I'm the man, Jesus says. When we surrender to Christ, when we surrender to Christ, we surrender to God because He is God in human flesh. We need to understand that Christ, you need to understand that Christ died for your sins and was raised to give you eternal life in Him. You need to understand that. You need to believe that. And then you need to surrender. That's what that word trust means. Faith. It means to surrender to Jesus. Have you committed your life to Him? Have you surrendered your life to Him? You can't begin with wisdom, biblical wisdom, unless you surrender to Jesus. A right relationship with God begins with a right relationship to Jesus Christ. Second, a right relationship with God grows as you seek to live in obedience to God's will. Dear Christian, oftentimes we surrender our lives to Christ and then we let the world get in the way. We let the world get us off track. We, we take this little, uh, this little 
trail over here and we start to to let the world entice us and pulling us away from the will of god get on track surrender to the will of god which is revealed in his holy word surrender to the will of god so that you might grow in your relationship with christ Live in obedience to his will. Live in obedience to his will. You want to grow in sanctification? Grow in God's word. Grow in God's word. Make it a part of your life. Study it. Memorize it. Apply it to your life every day. Oh, Heavenly Father, We thank you for the wisdom that you give us in your word, not just the Proverbs, but in your word. Lord, you have revealed so much to us. Lord, help us to be obedient to your will. Help us to be surrendered so that we may grow in knowledge, knowledge of you and knowledge of your way of life. And Lord, may we not just be intellectuals. But Lord, grant us wisdom. We don't want to just know facts about you. We want to know how to apply what your word teaches us to our lives. Oh Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom in your word. And certainly, Lord, if there's any today who've never trusted in Christ, Lord, they're walking on the the path of the fool, saying, no, God. Lord, change their hearts today. Help them, Lord, to surrender to you. Help them to turn to the path of wisdom. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.